Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 108 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. Um, we have a really special episode because we will be discussing some of the biggest games that happened last weekend with Chelsea, Manchester United, that unsurprisingly to probably a lot of people, but a little disappointed that it ended nil-nil. Um, some other big results, Liverpool finally getting on the win streak, Arsenal beating an injury ravaged Leicester City side and Tottenham picking up another win. But before we get started, we, the jerseys we're wearing right now are honoring two of the best, probably go, we'll go down as one of the, two of the best left-footed players that have played the game. Obviously, as you can tell, Tyler's got Leo Messi, um, Argentina shirt right there. I have, um, it's not even a real jersey. It's like Ian Robin, uh, Netherlands shirt. So those are two jerseys we're rocking there. We haven't mentioned it before in the past couple episodes, but we had to mention the two left-footed kings um, in recent history. But to get things started, we have to jump in to the Chelsea-Manchester United matchup, which ended nil-nil. It was a very boring game. I actually missed this game live because I was um, taking a little mini vacation from work. Um, so I wasn't checking my phone. I was uh, out. So I purposely did not check my Twitter feed. Didn't check anything just to make sure I can watch this game re-recorded um, in one of the replays from NBC. Watched it and I was just super disappointed. I've seen nil-nil games this season, but my gosh, this was probably the most boring, the most dead game of the entire season. This game was awful. Both teams were just awful when it came to the quality they showed in the final third. And man, Tyler, I hope you didn't watch this game live because this game was brutal. No, I watched it live. Uh, did you, <laughs> it did was, you take a nap? No, I watched it in my bed though, because it was like very <laughs> like it was like melatonin for the eyes. But <laughs> literally, I would describe this in one sentence. It was like both teams played it very safe. Like yeah. both teams did not take that many risks. They're just no. like, all right, we're gonna get whatever points we can get. If it's one point, it's good enough for me. And that's basically how it was. For I mean, there's some amazing saves made during this game. I'll say that, but I would say in terms of putting on the high press or going on the attack, there's always defenders back. It's just, it was never much like, all right, let's just go all in. It was very much like, all right, let's be very tactical about it. Let's uh, <laughs> take some calculated risks and then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was never just like, it was, it was not the big game, had the big game drama that we we're all hoping for. <laughs> no, this game felt like West Brom and Burnley. <laughs> it was, it was terrible. And, the one thing, disrespect to West Brom and yeah, Burnley, no, no man. disrespect to West Brom and Burnley, <laughs> but we're talking about two of the probably the biggest, some of the biggest teams in England that should that have some of the best players in the Premier League, and they just put up that display. That was very, very, very bad for the eyes, and just not a good show for the Premier League in general for having two big clubs hype it up, and then this just came on. But Christian Pulisic did make an appearance. I think around the seventy third minute didn't really impact the game. He came on as an attacking substitute, but didn't really do much. Um, he is rocking like a full beard now, so kind of going for the grown man look. He's not a little kid anymore. <laughs> but I will say, um, Manchester United have not beaten a top six side, quote unquote, the big six. Not currently in the top six, but the, the quote unquote big six. They have not beaten them this season. Beaten one of the teams this season in the Premier League. They've lost once to Arsenal, and they got blown out by Tottenham. And I think the main reason United approach these games so conservatively now is because of that Tottenham result. Because United were humiliated on at Old Trafford against Tottenham when they lost 6-1. And I think that probably plagues Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's mind because I remember when Lee Van Hall 
when he first came in. The side was a little bit expansive, but I do remember when they got thrashed by Leicester City, I think it was like 4-2 or 5-3 um, during his opening set of games. That's when Louis Van Hal basically set up shot and shop and just became super conservative in terms of the how he approached the game and how he wanted his players to play. And for Solskjaer, I think he's kind of doing the same thing when it comes to these bigger games because last season... Last season, it was basically the the sense of they didn't have the quality to kind of compete with some of these teams. So they could just sit back and just go on the counter and just go gung-ho because it's like no one really expected us to win some of these games. But now that we have a little bit more quality with Bruno Fernandez, um, you know, we improved on the defensive line. We've got better players throughout the starting 11. Now there's a little bit more pressure in terms of like, okay, we can't be losing these games. You know, we can't be getting outplayed or blown out. And I think that Tottenham result really scarred this team and I would say the manager more. And because of that, I feel like now they approach these games way too conservatively by playing McTominay and Fred and just play, basically having Bruno Fernandes be like the ultimate creator, just basically passing him the ball and just expecting him to produce some magic all the time. And it's just, that's not possible. You need to, you need to have the whole team playing cohesively to be able to produce chances and um, score goals. And they're just not doing that. I was always wondering during these big games, there's always that talk that actually leads me to like a big question I had for you, Yosh, which is, yeah. you know, Bruno Fernandez is very much clear that he doesn't show up in these big games. <laughs> in the past six ties, I believe, or past like seven matches actually against the big six, he's only scored once and assisted none. Mm-hmm. Like what's happening? Is it because of his own mental pressure kind of weighing him down? Or is it because other teams are just, you know, they know everything's going to come from Bruno Fernandez. So they just you know, man mark him like, like a rec league game. It's like, all right, that's the best player. You're always on him. Don't leave him. I, I think it's um a part of the opposing team kind of hard t- targeting Bruno Fernandez. Cause if you watch Manchester United, you know that a lot of our chances are basically created from him, but it's also the manager approaching these games. Like I said, very conservatively and not approaching it in a way that's very, that plays into Bruno Fernandez style, because I think the way United have been approaching these big six games is like Jose Mourinho is the coach. And if Jose Mourinho was the coach, this was, would kind of be the Bruno Fernandez you would get if Mourinho was coaching him. Not to sound harsh, but in reality, that's what's going to happen. And because of that, since they approach the game too conservatively, they maybe create maybe one or two big chances throughout the entire game. And unfortunately, you can't rely on scoring on one to two big chances per game. Like you need to create more. And that's why Man City, Liverpool, um, not so much this season, but in years past are able to create and break down and beat these big six opponents consistently is because they approach the game of, okay, we're going to play a little conservatively, but we're going to still attack and do our normal, you know, build up play, our normal one twos, our normal, um, you know, style of play but United kind of shift that and they go super conservative and almost go we're going to slowly be in a position where we're just going to hit you on the counter attack and that's when United are, are at their best but obviously these managers are not stupid they know that United are at their best when they counter attack so they are going to do everything they can to make sure the counter attacks don't happen um, and I think because of that Bruno Fernandez gets stopped a lot because because of the opposing manager targeting him and also the way United play in these big games doesn't help and it doesn't play into his style. And because of that, he just isn't able to create. And then when he doesn't get create, he gets frustrated. And when you have a frustrated player, they usually don't make the best decisions and they sometimes um, 
shoot when they should pass, pass when they shoot. Not saying Bruno Fernandez does that a lot, but you can see sometimes in these games, he can be a little just like frustrated, just like I'm not getting any service. You know, what can I do? Mm-hmm. I even remember even during the Liverpool game, like Bruno Fernandez had to be like subbed off. Yeah. It was just literally, he couldn't do anything. He was mad. And he <laughs> was mad. <laughs> it was just a little bit of that. And also just, it, it felt like everything he usually would do, is just like, it just wouldn't work. It's mm-hmm. like when you practice something, for a long time, for many days, and then you get sh- you show up on stage and just in front of the whole school, in front of like your whole family. It's just like it just doesn't happen. It's like yeah. what the heck? It's just like, <laughs> it's I like why is it, it not happening now? Yeah, and I don't think he's one of those fraud players. Like, oh, he's just like a like a small game merchant where he just scores and highlights on small games. I think last season showed that he can still show up in these big games, but he. You can't expect one player to carry the entire load. Like even look at Messi for Barcelona. Barcelona in these big games are kind of in shambles because they make Messi do everything. Messi has to score. Messi has to come back. Messi has to create. Messi has to score. He has to do everything. And because of that, they don't usually win a lot of these games. And United are kind of in this position where they're just throwing everything on Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford and be like, okay, just pass the ball to them and make them create and let them do something special. It's just not possible. I think... Another big reason, I, I was going to go into this, they drew nil-nil to Palace again, so another nil-nil draw. They really miss Paul Pogba. And I know Paul Pogba, we kind of say, oh, he's like a luxury pick. Um, you know, he kind of raises the ceiling but doesn't raise the floor type way that Bruno Fernandes does. But in this team right now, it's like finally the United team kind of have like a fully built out team. And now Pogba needs to come in and kind of be that extra facilitator, that extra creator, because when he's in the lineup, that's when we really start playing some of our best stuff. Because um, obviously at that point, you can't just focus solely on Bruno Fernandez. Otherwise, Paul Pogba will pick out a pass, pick out a shot, pick out the right pass and everything. So we're definitely sorely missing the creativity of Paul Pogba in the deeper playmaking position. And because of that, Bruno Fernandez has to do everything and you can just tell he's a little bit tired. I think he's a little bit tired. And because of that, I just, it's a little frustrating because it's like, man, we don't, we don't create enough as a team, enough chances. It really is like, you see, there's just one outlet. It's Mm -hmm. just one person that is doing everything. (laughs) So losing Paul Pogba too, is also just a little bit of that second guessing where it's just like, is it going to come from Pogba or is it going to come from Bruno Fernandez? Or Mm -hmm. as FIFA 21 announcers call him Bruno Fernandes. (laughs) <laughs> exactly and it's i just and, yeah um i think that plays a big role into it and i think um if you look at this team this team is sorely missing a right winger i know we're, we're going to mention striker center back but right winger i've mentioned this before mason greenwood is not a right winger dan james is you know dan james is uh pretty good as like a sub player but you know you can't rely on him to be a, a consistent producing um, starting 11 player. I know they have Ahmad Diallo, who they're pretty high on, but he's still very young. But they just need a right winger because if they had a right winger that can create on that side, it would just balance out the team so much better because right now, too much of our attacks are going through the left of Marcus Rashford and Luke Shaw. And it's becoming really predictable because you can kind of expect most of our chances coming from the left side and not really the right side. And we don't really have that balance. Like Liverpool have a balance of like, it could come from Mane, it could come from Salah. Man City have a balance that come from Sterling, Mares, Bernardo, whoever they throw out in the right or left left midfield position. Um, and... United just don't have that on the right side. It's a little too left side dominant. And I think that um, catches up to them because teams can just set up a low block and focus solely on the left side. Mm -hmm. 
I will say against this Chelsea side, at least, and I'm just swinging all the way back to the, to the <laughs> game itself. Chelsea so far under Tuchel has been very resilient in defense. Like they mm-hmm. barely concede any goals, especially in the league. Yeah. Turn like two or three at this point after six games or like seven games. Yeah. So they're very much set to like kind of set up shop. And even I would say Tuchel's sides so far haven't scored too many goals per game. It's mm-hmm. like very much one nil, two nil about that. Like it's, it doesn't really go above that, at least in our small sample size so far. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be a slight contributing factor for why not only was Bruno Fernandes shut down, but also just because they happened to face a shutdown team. And it's pretty interesting to see the dynamics of at least Chelsea right now with not everyone. It feels like more like Man City a little bit in terms of just the rotation of the players. Because like I feel yeah. like no one's safe on that team right now. <laughs> Like Except Abraham Mason Mount. He keeps starting yeah, every Mason game. Mason Mount, the sun. <laughs> <laughs> he had one big chance in that United game, and then he, like, so for some reason, didn't shoot. He, like, held onto the ball for too long. Got scared. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really weird to see that kind of dynamic now at mm-hmm. Chelsea, where it's like you saw Marcos Alonso play the last few games, yeah. and then now it's sure a rotation will. of a lot of, like, from the Champions League and then now into the game over the past weekend. A lot of people were also saying a lot of players were tired. Yeah, from just the amount of games going on per week, mm-hmm. and also just lack of preseason, and we're also seeing we're gonna mention this later, but just injuries hitting teams as well. Yeah, not only Liverpool but other teams. Except and City, we'll, which we'll talk City. about later. They just, just get lucky. <laughs> I think Nathan Ake is the only injured player. It Man. makes no sense. Make it make sense, as they say. Make it make sense. <laughs> Money wins, man. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> the theme of, theme of the episode. Money wins. <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully that doesn't mean that Chelsea's going to win because they spun a lot. But right now, I mean, we'll, we'll go into other teams, but it's it's pretty interesting to see this dynamic for Chelsea. It's, that's yeah. just what I want to mention to just keep keep look out up. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit games. weird for Chelsea because um, Timo Werner, you know, one player, I, I don't think Kai Havertz is injured, but one player that I thought would start playing more was Pulisic and Kai Havertz under Thomas Tuchel. But I don't know if I've even heard of like seen or even seen Kai Havertz in the starting 11 or even seen him come off as a sub recently for Chelsea. That's, this guy is like completely like not even at Chelsea right now, it feels like. All the Bundesliga boys are like in not purgatory, but they're like on the bench. And then hudson Adoy <laughs> is just back from the grave. Oh, yeah. Like hudson Adoy gets it. subbed off after being subbed on. He gets subbed off at halftime. But he still gets the minutes, mm-hmm. so something's in him. Like Tuchel has a lot of trust in Hudson Adoy, and it's it's a weird relationship that. But like he's back, mm-hmm. and he's getting a lot of minutes under him. So that's and even like Warner didn't even start the last game. So yeah. it's, I don't even know. All the Bundesliga boys are literally just riding the pine. Yeah, there was an interview that came out with Timo Werner. He mentioned that he thought that he could come into the Premier League and just hit the same strides that he was hitting in the Bundesliga. But he said it, it actually caught him by surprise how difficult the the uh, Premier League was compared to Bundesliga. So, you know, that plays into a role why Timo Werner hasn't been the same Timo Werner. But it's also interesting when he says that because I know the, not, not to say lazy argument, but sort of like the argument a lot of people say is that, oh, it takes time to develop in the Premier League or it takes time to adjust in the Premier League. But from what Werner says and then seeing Thiago not really impacting as much as, you know, we thought he was, Donny van de Beek not really contributing as much as he did or as much as, as he could, um, you know, it's it's kind of crazy. You definitely, it's definitely a pattern. Like even Aubameyang struggled 
a good bit when he first came into the Premier League. So it's definitely true that it, it does take some time to, to kind of get your feet wet in the Premier League. And it's really shocking when players do hit the ground running immediately, like Bruno Fernandes and such. So I have to say that the uh, the um, the stigma that the Premier League has, that it's a tough league, I think it still holds true when you see some top quality professionals still struggling to make an impact consistently um, week in and week out in the Premier League. Mm, just the physicality of it, just the pure running back and forth, just the pace <laughs> of it. And also the fact that there will be some nights you play in a cold, rainy night in Stoke. <laughs> just those little nuances. It's just like, man, you don't want to be there. You just have some big, <laughs> some big, like six foot four defender, like just have his knee crushed into your like back. Mm-hmm. Every hot. game. <laughs> <laughs> Every game. Exactly. Oh man. But uh, I don't, I don't know if we have uh, much else to say on that game. That game was just a very boring nil nil draw. United had another boring game t- today against Palace, which ended nil nil. So um, a string of nil-nil draws for United and Chelsea, and it was just a very boring, big game atmosphere. But we want to move it on to Sheffield United versus Liverpool. Liverpool getting a two-nil victory. Um, they got it courtesy of an own goal uh, from Sheffield. But um, I wanted to ask this: um, I was reading, I was reading some things. A, a lot of pundits are a little bit scared for this game because we're recording this on a Wednesday, so the Thursday Chelsea. Liverpool game has not happened yet, but a lot of pundits are kind of scared about the Kabak and Nathan Phillips um, centre-back partnership. But I wanted to know from you, Tyler, how do you think they've got on? I know they haven't had a ton of games together, but how do you think they are performing considering they're kind of like a makeshift centre-back pairing for Liverpool right now? They did decently, I guess, against Sheffield United. It's kind of hard to really grade it because it was in all fairness, against the worst team in the league. And there weren't that many chances created from Sheffield. But of the chances created, you know, a few slipped through. And, like, there's a few opportunities, like McBurney, for example, got through, but then he just showed the ball to Kabak and one of his dribbles. He's just, you know, poor placement. And then Kabak managed to get back. And Adrian started and managed to get the clean sheet, too. So I feel like this combination of these three things is, like, either we got really lucky or something just happened to work out. And we're actually kind of glad to have two center backs as our pairing for the first time since November, which is even crazy, crazy to say. We, we've had a center defensive mid and center back for every single game since November. And this is the first time it's been That's two wild. center backs. So I think it's it's showing that, I mean, of course, two center backs can do the job, but it's going to be a big ask to kind of deal against Chelsea. We, I, I'm not sure if Allison will be back. I think he will be. But I think it's still not going to be as solid, obviously, as if it were, you know, the usual Joe Gomez, Van Dyke, uh, Matip, even Fabinho, because this partnership is like at least their 20th partnership at this point <laughs> in terms of center-back pairings for the Wild. team. And for Allison or even Adrian or, or Keller... To be in goal and then see the musical chairs of center backs that he has in front of him. He's like, he doesn't know where he should stand. He doesn't know who's going to block what. They don't. He doesn't know what the tendencies of these players are going to be. I think this pairing is going to be decent, but it's going to be still a struggle to keep clean sheets. And even the front three for Liverpool are still kind of struggling. And even in this game kind of showed that lack of ruthlessness in front of goal. We saw Bobby Firmino through on goal. It was a three it was three Salah, him, Firmino, 
and Mane threw on goal against just Ramsdale, the keeper. <laughs> and then Firmino shot it and Ramsdale saved it. Like it was a decent shot, but it was like savable, which was the issue. Yeah. Usually in these kind of situations, it was always like a guaranteed goal. Mm-hmm. But this lack of ruthlessness, this lack of sharpness and, you know, just edge that usually you would see in the Liverpool side. It just wasn't here again. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, Firmino did score this game from a pretty big deflection. And, you know, it wouldn't have happened if he didn't take the shot. But at the same time, I was like, man, the other goal, <laughs> the <laughs> opportunity should have been a goal. And that kind of worries me because, like, when you face, you know, lower opposition, especially teams that are, like, basically guaranteed relegation, of course, you're going to have more chances. And, of course, they're going to be on the back foot. But against, you know, the bigger sides like Chelsea, I don't know if you're going to get this many chances. Like, obviously, you won't. And also, it's these kind of bigger games that you also have to win, too, to make sure you get that Champions yeah. League spot. So, kind of go really roundabout way of getting to it. I'm not sure if this center-back partnership is even going to be as important as the sharpness that's Dang. been lost in the front side. Like, I'm glad that we have it. But at the same time, I'm like, man, we have just so many problems still. <laughs> that it's like... Cool. We put a band-aid over this problem, but then like there's still that other leaky faucet over there. There's still like this other big hole over here. It's like it's, Well Jota's coming uh, Jota's back, right? Or is he still hmm? training? Wait, who? Jota. Oh Jota? Jota. Yes, Jota is back. He got ill actually during oh, the last game, so that's man. why he didn't play. But yes, the FIFA master. Apparently he went 30 and 0 in Champions League or some or not in Champions League, uh weekend league. Yeah. And put champs. And I'm I like, was like, how? What? I don't get that. Like, how how do you how are you a professional player and still have time to like grind away at a weekend league on FIFA? I don't get that. I mean, when you're injured for months, I guess you can. But <laughs> <laughs> and also, but like, for that's just I mean, crazy. real life players, they have their own 99 card. Oh. Like, so if you're a professional player, you will get a special card from EA that is a version of you that has 99 stats for like everything. Oh, that's that's uh, that's nice. And he uses that. <laughs> I guess that OP. makes sense. And then you can probably just buy a lot of FIFA points at that point. Yeah, and just I guess so. It's like, pack. man, you're making Premier League wage. It's like, of course, you can just do whatever you want. <laughs> just dominate kids on FIFA. But man. I mean, that kind of translates to real life, at least, because he's he was going off when at least when he did play. So yeah. hopefully that will help kind of bring that competition back. Yeah. And that, that, I'm still that, sad that about is still that is oh yeah Minamino he did get hurt though I think I think he got hurt yes Minamino did get hurt yeah. unfortunately and Southampton <gasps> that's a team we're about to talk about later but that's interesting that you mentioned the front three is a bigger problem than the uh, the center back partnership I guess the front three have somehow managed to stay relatively healthy where they you know haven't been in and out of the lineup as much as the center back so they haven't got talked about as much but I have seen that this season where they just don't look as confident in front of goal. And I just remember when they were on fire, you know, last season, the season before that, when they were beating teams like Sheffield United, like 4-1, 4-0, like easily. And Salah was, you know, scoring from 20 yards out, like just finessing it because he just wanted to. And he was scoring that because remember that one goal he scored against Chelsea where he just cut in on his left yeah. foot and just decided to just hit it for... I'm like, who does that? And that you can only do that if you're in form and you have confidence in what you can do. And I agree. I don't think they're, the front three has that right now. And mm-hmm. when you don't have that, you kind of make some odd decisions because you're kind of overthinking things. I really, it really kind of hit me when I realized these front three were like not the same from like two things. It was one, 
montage video I saw of like Mane scoring <laughs> like back in the days in early Liverpool where like he would just run. He just sprint past the entire oh, yeah. defense. Just, I remember he did that against City, right? Where he like ran past Kyle Walker or something like that, where he just he ran like he does that with most teams, but yeah. like the one I was thinking about was like against Everton. Like he literally just ran straight past Everton defenders and just hit it with his left foot. Dang. Like he like his technique is also very peculiar but yeah. <laughs> he manages to get the goal no matter what uh-huh and like all those like fancy flicks all these goals from you know for you know, like the stoke city volley like all those like little things and like you know as you said like salah's crazy cut in and then just rocket to the left corner yeah, and the ga- against goal Chelsea. against watford right the one that won the puskas yes <laughs> and then freaking salah's puskas winner against everton which made oh, no was that sense everton or watford that was, uh mane scored a back hill against watford but oh okay. uh, salah scored a just cut in finesse against yeah. Everton, which somehow won Puskas. But you know, <laughs> that was things that crazy be like that. season where he just like, where's this guy come from? Exactly. And like all these goals were not from the season. Yeah. They're all from like previous seasons, like two years ago, three years ago, mm-hmm. or even last season. But like this season, it's like it's very much Death Valley. It's like where are the goals been? <laughs> and then the second thing is just literally there's this one question that was posed on Twitter that I saw. And it was of the three, would you, who would you bench, start, or oh like, yeah, I, I've seen that question before. Yeah. Yes, and then it was between Mane, Rashford, what would you do, and Sterling. And a three. lot of people are saying it's like they'd start Sterling and bench Rashford. And, and at Mane. the beginning of the season, it would, I feel like it would always be Mane starting. Mm-hmm. But right now, just based on form, like Mane would not get a spot. Oh, that's and interesting. I would, yeah, I would even agree. Like, I even with my Liverpool bias being brought in, I would still put Monty on the bench. <laughs> Dang, but that, I wouldn't start him. Like, it's just there's just something missing. It's just that little spark, that little bit of like spice, whatever is in that Powerpuff Girls. Like, it's just sugar <laughs> spice, everything sauce. nice. They're missing little the bit sauce. Of sauce. Yeah. yeah, they're missing the sauce. It's just something's missing. Yeah, you know? that 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 is it. true. I think. Um, gosh. I guess because I'm not a Liverpool fan, I guess I, I'm not watching every Liverpool game day in and day out. But man, that is uh, dang, that does suck that you think that they're really that out of form or they're just really lacking on just their confidence and their mm-hmm. swag, you know? And it's just everyone has been so concentrated on the center back pairing, which is like even like we've talked about this, like basically for the past 10 episodes at this point, because <laughs> it's like it's always going to be something. But I feel like that at the same time is slightly overshadowing the fact that Liverpool just can't really get that many goals from their front three. Man. And, you know, Salah is still top of the scoring, yeah. which is crazy. Like, this is like an off year for him. <laughs> <laughs> but from the other two, like Firmino and Mane, it's just like, where are you at? Well, yeah. Like, help out, please. <laughs> um, I was going to say, has Shakiri? Well, sh- has Shakiri been playing more as a midfielder rather than like a winger? Yeah, I, I think he's been more as like a creator, kind of Dang. like the left-footed Coutinho. Mm-hmm. the nicer version the cooler version like the cool uncle <laughs> i really <laughs> like shakiri he has good vibes and then but, um i guess origi really hasn't done anything right a lot of people want origi out at least from what i've been seeing from liverpool fans and even for myself the cult hero it's really hard for him for me to even say we should keep him because there's just i mean diogo jota is who i'd pick over him mm-hmm. to start and he hasn't really had that impact that he had off the bench from you know, previous seasons where like, I feel like every time he was off the bench, it was a guaranteed goal chance created or a goal itself. Yeah. And after that Champions League run, 
where he basically carried Liverpool to win the Champions League final. Uh, we haven't really seen, you know, the double doinks. We haven't seen the, uh, you know, corner taking quickly to Origi. <laughs> like we haven't seen those for a long time. So I think right now, the only thing that would keep me from saying, oh, we should get someone else. is like, who do we get, though? Who's, yeah. who's really going to go to Liverpool and be like, yeah, I'll ride the bench. I'll be the super sub. Exactly. Like, even it's Diego Jota doesn't like that. And then we had to move Firmino to the bench at times. So it's that's tough. also the thing. It's tough, man. Liverpool, are, it's definitely one of those down years for Liverpool. But I will say the team that we're talking about next had a down year last season. And now they're rocking and just on like a whole different trajectory. Manchester City picking up a 2-1 win against West Ham. But the bigger story here is they're now on a 21-game winning streak across all competitions and are unbeaten um, in 28 games across all competitions, which is crazy. Like, that is just wild. That That isn't even a thing. Um, I think the 21-win streak just baffles me even more. I'm like, how are you doing this in Corona time? And oh, I will say, I, I know I mentioned this before, but what scares me a lot about this team is that it's, it's not really that old. They're pretty young. Ruben Diaz is young. John Stones is hitting his prime. Um, and, you know, Jao Cancelo is young. Um, when you look at their, Rod Ree is young. He's a Fernandinho replacement. Phil Foden, obviously, is very young. Um, Gabriel Jesus is kind of hitting, like, I guess, supposedly his prime age. Th- they still have so many of their pieces are pretty young. Kevin De Bruyne, I know he's not young per se, but he's not old either you know he's i think mm-hmm. he's what 28 29 he's like in his prime basically yeah and it's just man these guys are only going to get better because if they i'm just genuinely scared like they could legitimately get messy because messi would want to team up with pep guardiola and mm. <laughs> at that point i'm like the league is over what, what can you do if they add messi um, uh, like i know he's an aging messi but messi that won't have to really do that much anymore and just ha- he can just kind of do the Aguero thing where he just kind of shows up, scores a couple goals and calls it a day. Oh, this team is going to be very scary and just stupidly good. I still remember last season when I was roasting Man City for being an aging team, whereas like their main vocal leaders were just all going. Like Vincent Company was gone. Fernandinho was getting old, wheelchair level. We got David Silva leaving and Aguero Aguero. was injured in and out. Mm-hmm. And then they're starting to play Jesus more over him. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they still didn't really have that next leader yet. Like Raheem Sterling was supposed to be that guy. He's like plays captain sometimes. But even then I was like, oh, I don't think he's ready yet. And that's like, that was a lot of reasons why I was thinking, you know, Man City was having a down year and like they did have a down year and I d- didn't expect them to bounce back this rapidly and like this strong. Yeah. Like who would have thought? They'd be on a 21-game win streak with 28 games unbeaten. That's that's insane for any team, but also for a team that, you know, they had the luxury of buying a lot of the new youth that, you know, you just mentioned, not only this season, but last season as well. And they happened just to buy the right players. Man. Like, we were very skeptical, especially me. I was just like, Ruben Diaz? Yeah. I didn't even know he was like a young player. I yeah. thought he was like in the 20s, like exactly. late 20s. I thought he was older, like in his prime. Like twenty, like we always hear about him, and now it's like, oh, he's twenty three. It's like, man, he's younger than me. Yeah, <laughs> and even players like Jao Cancelo, he didn't really do that much at Juventus when they bought him, and then when mm-hmm. they bought him last season, he didn't really do that much. And I was like, oh, this guy just seems like he's kind of riding the pine. And then Mares is now stepping up; he's now starting to look more like the player he once was. 
and they bought him a couple seasons ago. Yeah, I just I can't remember too many times when Manchester City have flopped in terms of like their signings. I think Benjamin Mendy has been um one of Not those worth just be- 50 million. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's probably most probably down to because he just gets injured too much. Um mm-hmm. and the injuries have probably like held down his career, but man, it's been a long time since City have really failed in the transfer market. Like the last player I remember is like Mangala and that's probably it. And holy cow. Um what's his name? I don't know if he is he still at the club, Otamendi, or is he on loan? No, he got sold. Oh, he's he did? Out. I think so. Oh like, wow. I don't hear about him anymore. I was yeah. thinking Jovatic was the last. Oh yeah. I don't even Gosh. remember him. Or that's Wilford long... Bonnie. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's a while back too. So it's it's literally been since Pep has come in, they literally have not had too many flops. And I think that's mm. pretty crazy. But then again, they also have the luxury of being able to cherry pick any of their top options. It's like, oh yeah, we want Rodri. Oh yes, we want Ruben Diaz. Yeah, it's like oh Nathan Ake, we'll take him too. Yeah. It's like even the price. Picture. Exactly, and I think that depth. Something I was kind of hinting at throughout the season is like whoever has the least injuries and the most depth will probably win the league and mm-hmm. also probably do the best. And you know, Man City they weren't always injury free. You know, Kevin De Bruyne was out for a good part of the season. Yeah. Still has eleven assists somehow. Sergio Aguero has been out most of the season, but just the other players have just stepped up in mm-hmm. their place because they have basically two squads worth of players. And I feel like that has really played a part because even when like a Laporte was out, it's like, oh, yeah, we also have John Stones. And it's like, oh, Nathan Nake's out. It's like, oh, yeah, we also have Ruben Diaz. It's literally <laughs> it makes no sense. They have so many players and even like Fernandinho doesn't even have to play every single game. No. So it's great. Now Zinchenko is playing left back now. That's crazy. Like Gundawan in form. It's like, yeah. you know what? Have a spot on the bench too. Why not? <laughs> you've, been, you've been working hard. Like Bernardo so, Silva too. It's crazy. Like there's no player that really gets the guaranteed start unless you're like Aderson. Mm-hmm. So, because like there's not really anyone else behind him. But for that, I really think that's why Men's City are just such in a big lead right now. It's like they just had so much stockpile. That is kind of playing to their favor. And also whoever is their medical staff, like and fitness coach and nutritionist, like they're they're going off. Yeah, they really, are. Injuries, they really are. Man. They're treating them well and like at least like you can't anticipate what injuries will pop up. Yeah. But like whatever they're doing to prevent them. Yeah, I think Pep also <laughs> in the beginning of the season did a good job of rotating his team a lot. Like he was not playing the consistent starting eleven. And I think because he rotated a ton, it's starting to benefit now where he dropped a couple points in the beginning. Now he is making up for that with all these wins, while other managers decided to just roll out the same starting eleven all the time. And now we're seeing that a lot of those same players are starting to get pretty tired and it's hard for them to keep going. But yeah, City are on a incredible run. It's unfortunate. I hope it ends soon. Uh, I'll just say that. But I wanted to move it on to the Tottenham-Burnley match. And it was the return of the most important player and one of probably the most fun players that I like to watch um, in the world is Gareth Bale. Scored twice, I believe. and No, Mm. assisted twice and scored once or scored twice and assisted once. I can't remember. Um, Oh, scored a brace and assisted once. I I didn't check my notes, but... (laughs) <laughs> Man, this was a quality display from Gareth Bale. He scored that a nice finesse shot, and then he assisted a really, really great goal to get um, Harry Kane. And I wanted to ask, I know I mentioned Bale before, and you mentioned that uh, one of our listeners, Sungmin, mentioned that he was not a fan of Bale, saying he's kind of just a wasted man. But 
I did read some reports that Tottenham knew that Gareth Bale wouldn't be at his best until later into the season. And they took him on loan because knowing that. And it's now that later half of the season. And Gareth Bale, I would say, has started to prove himself a little bit more, scoring a little bit more, making more of an impact. And I've also read that if he kind of can keep a little bit of this up, Tottenham would be inclined to buy him permanently from Real Madrid. And... I don't know. I got to ask this. Do you think Gareth Bale is back to his best? I, I would say this is something uh, Yosh and I talk about at least off pod every once in a while. Where it's like, dang, how was Gareth Bale back in the day when he was at Tottenham? Or like, how was he when he was just like short hair Bale? Like just <laughs> running through, just whipping long shots, finesse shots and kind of carrying Tottenham. And I was like, that was one of like the best players I've ever seen live. Like mm-hmm. not in person, but like just on TV. Yeah. And I still feel like that bail, like that, that insane bail, that's still not here yet. And even in this Burnley game, when he got a brace and assist, the second goal, I feel like Burnley disrespected him so much because they just left him wide open. <laughs> like they just, there was no man on him for at least 20 yards. And he just ran down the right side of the field, got the ball, took a touch and then finessed it in. You know, it was very like well-placed. It wasn't like, like it wasn't crazy it wasn't anything like that. it was just very much by the book it's just like oh he should cut in and then mm-hmm. finesse and like that's what he's really that's what his signature he's like robin yeah basically but welsh and taller and doesn't <laughs> dive as much but literally that kind of that was like signature bail i was like really reminiscent to see but it just felt like it was slightly in slow motion compared to back in the days because like bail was also rapid like yeah we always describe you know players like robin Messi as players like you know what's coming you know like Messi's gonna like dribble you he's gonna like nutmeg you things like that you know Robin's always gonna cut in from the right side onto his left foot and then finesse it long like to the far post like you know those things are gonna happen but you can't stop them Mm -hmm. and with Bale that's the same thing like he was just so fast he was just so much faster than everyone else and just so strong that you knew he's gonna whip one with his left foot but you just couldn't stop him Mm -hmm. I don't feel that like still with Bale, like current Bale, like old man, long hair Bale. I don't feel that yet. <laughs> I just feel like it's like a nerfed version mm-hmm. still. But until like we start to see some like the crazy goals again or like just the crazy runs, which I don't know if he has the physical ability to anymore at like old man Bale age. But like, you know, this was the same man who scored a bicycle kick against Liverpool yeah. in the Champions League final. Man. Like I can't picture that right now from him. It's crazy. Like, until we start seeing things like that, we're just like Outran running. Mark Bartra, right? In the yeah, where right? Mark Bartra put, shoved him off the field. Literally he, ran outside the pitch. And he still back. beat Bartra on the run. Like until we start seeing, I know. <laughs> until we start seeing things like that, where he's just like doing subhuman <sighs> things Man. or like superhuman things. I don't think this is Bale as best, but I think he's getting Bale to the point where at least he won't be the flop of the season. Because up until this point, like he's really hasn't shown up mm-hmm. and he really has been just the like the biggest like just disappointment for all Tottenham fans because I hear it in my ear every single weekend from you know listener Sungman who basically gets <laughs> like a shout out every weekend because it's just him complaining about <laughs> Bale but like you know until I start hearing about Bale being good like consistently I think this is still maybe like a one-off thing but like I just my expectations of him are just so high after seeing what I've seen him do. Also for the country of Wales too. 
Yeah. Just seeing him just carry whales along with Walsh Pirlo, Joe Allen. Yeah. Like, and Aaron also Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey, of course. But like just the fact that Wales made it to the Euros and potentially we're going to get decently far in the knockout stages, at least had the prayer of doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was bail. It was all bail, mostly. So Dang. I, don't, I still days. don't think that's there. <laughs> Those are the days. Exactly. Man. No, I, I agree. I I just, I'm wishing him like, I'm just wishing as like a just a fan of Gareth Bale that he could kind of recapture more of that form and we start seeing a little bit more consistency with him because man, he still got one heck of a left foot. Like that left foot is just like really strong still. Um and his his shot power, his shot power is just still insane. I think he he has like one of the strongest shots in the league. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like when he shoots it, it comes out like a bullet. So I hope he gets back. I don't know. Um I, I agree. I don't know if we'll see it super consistently, but as long as we see a little flashes of it, I think it'll make any Premier League fan in general just pretty happy because it's uh, it's not too often um, you get players like this and um, and when they come to the Premier League, it's kind of like got to kind of cherish it when they when they do come, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, man, Gareth Bale, hope he comes back. But he had a really good performance against Burnley, but I wanted to mention the Leicester City-Arsenal game. Arsenal beating Leicester City 3-1. It is the downfall of Brendan Rodgers again. We thought, it, I you know, I always mention the question, like, is he ready for the big boy management job? And, like, Tyler's like, I don't know. We just got to see if we can do it for a whole season. And right now they're kind of in that free fall stage because they lost the loss last week and they drew today against Burnley. And it doesn't also help that they have a huge injury crisis going on with Johnny Evans, James Madison, Iose Perez, Harvey Barnes, um, Wesley Fofana, all are all are are out, and I think Barnes has a like some sort of knee issue, so he's mm-hmm. going to be out for a little bit of time. But it's big. These are some of the Leicester's key starting eleven players, and they're just right now out on the injury bed. And um, Brandon Rogers is feeling the uh, stick of it because they they um they 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 don't have unfortunately they just don't have enough depth to kind of keep up with the really big teams. I would say. Mm-hmm. And even some of the star players like Jamie Vardy. Yeah, he's Soyuncu, been on a cold streak. And they're out for like certain parts of the season too. Mm-hmm. So it's like the injury bug followed Brandon Rogers from Liverpool to Leicester <laughs> and just came kind of late. Unlucky. But, you know, there was always this talk <laughs> that we always mentioned. It's like, is is Brandon Rogers, you know, the next big, like, is he actually turning up as a legit manager now? And then I'm always saying, you know, second half, Usually it's his downfall. And then even God right now is like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that happens. This injures everyone. <laughs> That's crazy though. You, I just wonder how that happens as a manager. Like, how do you know, like going in the second half of the season, like you got to prepare for this and it just, it keeps on happening. You know, when like you're doing well in a class at school and you have like a 90 in the class or like a 95 uh-huh. and then, you know, you can start just not taking assignments seriously. You can just chill. It's like, I can turn this in late. I can... I can, you know, not study for this test. I'm already at like a 98 in the class. It's like, whatever. <laughs> that That's literally how it is for Leicester. I feel like sometimes cat syndrome. it's just, you know, they're, they're heading to the final and then they basically killed the first two out of three units. And then unit three, they just didn't care because like they're already going ham. Yeah. And then when the final comes, it's like, oh, wait, unit three is in that final. And then they just bomb the final. <laughs> and then it's like, boom, Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah, because that, that's a big goal for Leicester. They're trying to get um, themselves consistently in the Europa League and also fighting for Champions League. But they haven't been back. They haven't been in the Champions League since the year they won the title. That year after, 2016-17. I still remember they somehow they, they, managed to do decently in that knockout stage, they, too. They, they, they got beat, like Who did they Porto? beat in the round of 16? I think it was Porto or something. Yeah, they, and they hosted Sevilla, right? At the KP? That was crazy. Or was it Sevilla it was, or was it? At it was a Spanish side, I know. I feel like. Forgot. I don't remember. It was Man. definitely during the times when I had to watch in class. Dude, that, that's when they had, what's his name as their manager? I forgot his, not not um, not Claudio not Ranieri. Ranieri. They sacked him and it was uh, that interim coach. Not he we're blanking. <laughs> he, he was kind of psycho. He was like low-key kind of a psycho in terms of his training. Um, uh, what was his name? Oh, you both blanking on this. <laughs> you, you know, you know what he looks like, right? I could, I, I have his picture of what he looks like in my head. I just can't. All right, every every fan is now just like either yelling at us or also confused. Yeah, start Dang. to describe his his physical. It was like McIntyre. No, it was a uh, Greg McIntyre. No, it was a uh, McIntyre. Not McIntyre. I have to Google this. <laughs> I know. Wait, wait, what'd you get? I gotta, I gotta know. I have to know now. I have to, I have to figure it out. Everyone, leave a comment. <laughs> yeah, literally, everyone leave a comment, and like you'll probably know. Once we say the name, we'll we'll know it. Then Craig Shakespeare. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, that's the name, Craig Shakespeare. I completely forgot about Craig Shakespeare. That that was, I think, that was their interim uh, manager during that Champions League time because they had already gotten rid of Claudio Ranieri. So, dang, Craig Shakespeare. I knew it was something like theatrical, and I just couldn't remember it. Oh, they had a lot of managers in between. They had. Claude, yeah, Puel, Claude Puel. and then Adams. Oh, Adam Sadler. He's like, who's this? He's like, oh, okay. So it's just like the interim ones are also on yeah. this list. But yeah, I completely forgot about Craig Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, I remember he got off to a super hot start with Leicester, and then it was like, oh my gosh, they're back to their title winning ways. And then it's just like, oh, it's all like he does psych. is like he runs four four two and just like just tells them to like just run, and that's it. <laughs> just like what like Ranieri no did basically. It it worked. It. Um, but yeah. I I I'm just genuinely shocked how Leicester have uh, been in this like perpetual cycle of just going on a downfall in the second half of the season. But it's something Brendan Rodgers has got to figure out because un- unless he wants to eventually get one of the big boy jobs, he's got to figure out how to solve this issue of like burning out at the second half of the season. No, that's just <laughs> Brendan Rodgers' way. It's his destiny. It's just written <laughs> it's in the stars. His destiny, man. It's written oh, in man. Revelations as yeah. the cause for the. Downfall of Leicester every season. <laughs> or at least <laughs> any team Brendan Rodgers is managing. Not exactly. Celtic. Exactly. Yeah, besides Celtic. But I wanted to point some pictures into the relegation battle update. Um, Fulham, I think, are three points out. I think Newcastle earned a point um, last week and they were able to save themselves from going into the relegation zone. But Fulham, like we said before, are creeping themselves up in there. And a team that is slowly, I guess, creeping themselves into the relegation battle is Brighton and Southampton. Right now, you wouldn't put ping them as people or as two clubs that would get relegated, but right now they haven't won a game in a while and they're kind of in this shaky um teetering place where if they keep losing, they're gonna see themselves in a lot of trouble. And for clubs like Southampton who started off the year really strong and have literally not recovered since Ralph Hasenhudel dropped into tears after beating his uh predecessor or his uh I would say 
um, what would you say? His not predecessor, but like his like role model of Jurgen Klopp beats him and just starts crying, and then he just can't win a game now. And then um, Graham Potter just getting absolutely unlucky with Brighton. Um, they just cannot somehow find a way to put the ball in the back of the net, even with the quality they have. Um, I was going to ask, should those two clubs be fearing the relegation battle? Because they are right now not in the best of form right now. I think with Southampton, at least, they have the quality players that should help them get out of this battle. And kind of like to bring it full picture, like big picture, it's just not really should these teams be fearing it. It's just, do they think, are they worse than Newcastle? Because <laughs> Newcastle <laughs> is, guar- is guaranteed to be in this fight against Fulham. It's like literally, is it Fulham or Newcastle? And do these three teams of Brighton, Burnley, and Southampton, and you know Southampton and Brighton more recently, should they be fearful of being worse than Newcastle? And for now, I say no. Mm-hmm. I think as long as Newcastle continues to be underwhelming and continues to rely on just Almiron and St. Maxim as their only hopes. I really think Brighton and Southampton have enough to, you know, do at least a little better than Newcastle for the rest of the season. Unless something miraculous happens where, you know, Newcastle just happen to go on a streak where they get lucky and win one nils all of a sudden. Um, I really think that'd be the only thing. Cause I think at this point, Fulham actually could catch him. Yeah. <laughs> like Fulham looking at looking really good mm-hmm. in terms of, defense surprisingly and also with Josh Maja just I don't know if it's just that Sunderland till I die kind of mojo Netflix magic you know, that Netflix magic kind of just make me want to watch Fulham games but like kind of watching them and watching like Ariola too they just look a lot more of a team like if Newcastle and Fulham would have like face off right now I think Fulham would come away with the points and even for Brighton and Southampton you know Brighton have been pretty unlucky in Southampton, of course, they're just depressed. <laughs> it's just like all the emotion went in that Liverpool game. And then after that, they just, uh, it's like, it's like, w- what did they do to get that Liverpool? And you kind of wonder, it's like they sold everything. It's like they, they won, in, but at what cost? It was literally Gamora. <laughs> they, they, got, they had to get rid of Gamora for them to get that win. But <laughs> that's probably why he was crying. Cause he's like, I didn't think it was going to work. <laughs> Freaking Hazen who was actually crying. At the end of the game, because he's just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he cursed his club. Oh, man. He's cursed the club getting that win. Man, but, but this it, is basically it, like, yeah, my long winded way of saying, I think despite that, they have a slight worry, but they should be kind of fine because they still know they're better than Newcastle. Yeah, I think Brighton, I have more faith in Brighton right now than I do Southampton. I, I still think Southampton and Brighton are going to be safe, but Southampton, man, if you're Southampton, man, you, uh, you know, it's looking okay right now, but you better hope Hasenhudo can just somehow find a way to pick up some points because right now it's not looking good and you guys are getting a little toasty right now. Uh, so be a on the lookout. Toasty. Little toasty, but they're in the toaster. Yeah, they're in the toaster. I haven't like haven't pushed down on the little lever yet, but they're in there. So you never know what will happen. But man. Uh yeah, I wanted we wanted to point a little relegation update battle, but we wanted to move on to the preview section. Um so we have pretty Decent games this weekend. Um, I wanted to start off with Liverpool-Fulham because on two opposite ends of the table, this game is pretty significant. For Liverpool, they're trying to get into that top four, which, you know, it's crazy that they're not in the top four right now, but they're trying to catch up with Chelsea and secure their spot for the Champions League next season. And for Fulham, 
As we just mentioned, they are trying to get out of the relegation zone and catch up with Newcastle. So it's a really big game at Anfield. Um, and for me, I, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. I think it's going to be a little nervy for both clubs, but I, I think Liverpool could is going to squeak this one out and get a 2-1 win. Um, I think Fulham are really going to go gung-ho um, because what do they have to lose? And Liverpool, the pressure's on them. They need the points to get in the Champions League. So I, I'm going 2-1 Liverpool. I remember the last time Liverpool played Fulham, there was at Craven Cottage away, and they drew. And this was right before Liverpool went on this really cold streak. And they're like at the top of the table at this point. Yeah. And they drew 1-1. And, you know, I got an earful. I was like, how did you draw 1-1 against Fulham? Because this is also when Fulham were still very low in the relegation zone. It was just like, what the heck? Like, this is such a random... Yeah, De, Co- like De Cordova Reed was their best player. Exactly. And it's just like, what? <laughs> I, I feel like, did we just underestimate Fulham? It's like, no, I think that was the start of like Liverpool's drop and then the start of Fulham's rise mm-hmm. at a certain point. Like, I know, granted, you know, Liverpool also did manage to win 7 0 against Crystal Palace soon around that. But at the same time, it was just like a little glimpse of like what's going to happen. And as a Liverpool fan right now, looking at this result, I'm kind of scared of Fulham. Like, it's just. You don't know what's going to happen at this point. It's not like a Man United game where it's like you don't know if the game's going to end 4-1 or like 5-3. <laughs> like, but I, it's more so me being scared of is this game going to end 1-0 or 2-1, but like to who? Mm-hmm. And being at Anfield, I don't really think is that it doesn't really have that Fortress vibes anymore. It doesn't really have Dang. that defense. But at the same time, I like to say the statistic where it's like it's really hard to keep streaks alive and it's even harder to keep like historical streaks like Liverpool losing at home four games in a row. Like if it hasn't happened in a hundred years, it's going to be even harder for him to lose again for a fifth time. Yeah. Cause then like that'd be, that'd be even crazier. So I think they're going to break their streak, but should I be hopeful and say two, one as well? You got to, you're a Liverpool fan. I got to, I got to, you're right. <laughs> I'll say two, one to Liverpool. Okay. I was leaning more towards a one, one, but you know okay. what? As a Liverpool fan, I'll put a little, little bump. Little bump. You got two center backs now, so anything's yeah. possible. 2-1. <laughs> anything's possible, like Kevin Garnett. But we're both going 2-1 Liverpool. Then we have Chelsea-Everton, which is another big six matchup because Everton are also in that same boat with Chelsea, but they're trying to get in the top four. And, you know, they're playing some pretty decent stuff for Charleston scoring. Um, I've just been a fan of, like, what they've been doing. Richarlison scoring, I, I'm forgetting the... Uh, Decore has been a big core, a big cog in the midfield. Um, Luca Dean has been assisting a ton at left back. Uh, Michael Keane somehow is scoring goals as a center back consistently. Jordan Pickford, um, Dinosaur Arms is making some saves. But Chelsea, as we saw, are that well well drilled tactical side, and they're at the bridge. But this this rivalry always seems to get some of the craziest results. So. I actually, I think this game went 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, yeah. two. Everton this season have been a team, just like United, have kind of been on the wild wild side of like, you really don't know sometimes what you get with them. I would say Richarlison is on fire for this one too. So, <laughs> I don't know. Chelsea conceding two goals? Hmm. It's kind of sus, but this is a Tuchel versus Ancelotti chess match right now. And it's... It's really hard for me to see Chelsea score more than two goals based on what's been happening so far. 
And it's also hard for me to see Chelsea concede goals <laughs> at the same time, too. But for Everton, in the meanwhile, I can picture him scoring getting, or conceding a goal here and there. So, <laughs> <laughs> And there has been times when you would think an Everton team would go in, like against Fulham in particular. I don't know Fulham's on my mind right now, but I remember the Fulham-Everton game like not too long ago ended up with Fulham winning 2-0. And I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened again, but more stout, just 1-0 to Chelsea. Oh, dang. Okay, so you're going Chelsea win, and I'm going a 2-2 exciting draw. And then finally, the biggest game of the weekend, we have the Manchester Derby, City versus United at the Etihad. This last game ended surprisingly, un- well, unsurprisingly, 0-0. Um, in this game, City have already beaten United in the Carabao Cup. They beat them, I think, 2-1 or 2-0, I think, um, in that in that fixture. But this game should be interesting because City are obviously on a roll. United need to kind of pick up some form. They've been they're going into this game limping with uh, you know, a couple injuries, but also just not really hitting the strides. And this game, I feel like, you know, Solskjaer is gonna go with the Mech Fred partnership of McTominay and Fred at the midfield, and then Bruno Fernandez in the number 10 spot, and then Martial. Without Martial, I think Cavani. Um, Rashford and then maybe James or Greenwood so it's probably going to be the same setup like they did with Chelsea and unfortunately oh this is going to be a tough one but I I don't see how they're going to create enough chances because the way City are playing they control the ball so well that they're just going to frustrate and make United come out of position Um, so I'm going to be hopeful and I'm going to say 1-1 I think you know United could squeak a goal if they play their cards right but it's going to be hard for them to keep this city side out of the goal. So I'm going to go one, one. Oh, I'm so tempted to say nil, nil. <laughs> that's probably the smart decision. If you're a Low betting key, man. Every time I said nil, nil, it's always some crazy scoreline. And then every time I see some crazy scoreline, it's a nil, nil. Like <laughs> freaking jokes are being played on me. <laughs> like the God of chances is just like, I, ah, I, I will you. say if this game gets an early goal game on, like it's going to be a fun game to watch. Especially if United are the team to get the early goal, then it's going to be crazy. Like what happened last season at the Etihad when United picked up, like scored two quick goals and it was like City were just on the front foot the entire game and it made it really fun to watch. But this game is definitely going to need an early goal for it to be super exciting. So we don't see a goal in the first 10 minutes. Turn off the TV. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shut it down. Go take a nap. I will say for Man U, like they, we, we mentioned the streak. You know, soccer players, professional players, managers is always like, oh, yeah, we don't know what the streak is for other teams. We don't we don't care. We don't think about that. We just think <laughs> about our own team. Blah, blah, blah. I feel like they know that there's this 21 game winning streak alive. They know there's this 28 game non losing streak alive. And it would suck if they help build that streak for Man City. And of all teams to shut it down, I feel like it would be your your brother at home. <laughs> your brother from Manchester you know and I feel like for the sake of the Premier League too you know man you have to get a result you have to do something maybe stop that winning run maybe get the tie at least so I'm gonna I'm gonna pray and I hope that this ends up as a 1-1 draw as well Dang. you know what just so that I jinx it I'm gonna say nil nil <laughs> nil nil just say jinx the scoreline there we go yes making an exciting game um I'm looking forward to it because I think this 
situation United are in is sort of similar to what they were in during Jose Mourinho's second season where City were basically going to clinch the title if they beat United. They got it to a 2-0 lead and then obviously that famous 3-2 comeback happened under Mourinho in the second half and they basically spoiled the title for one game um, at the Etihad and in basically the same position because City, I think, have a 14-point lead, (laughs) which is insane. I think the lead is like 14 points from City to United, so... United are in this position where they can kind of just kind of play spoiler for a little bit for the season, and I think that would drive them. But I just don't know if they can pull off the win. So that's why I'm going one one. But Tyler, you're going nil nil on this one. So hopefully, I'm hoping. I just wanted an exciting big six matchup. Is that, that is that too much to ask? I feel like is that too Will much? Will Bruno Fernandez show up? That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you have to go there. That that hurts, but. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm super excited for this matchup. I really hope this derby lives up to expectations and just is fun. I just want it to be a super fun derby to enjoy and for everyone to kind of enjoy. But yeah, uh, that kind of wraps up season three, episode 108 for us. As we always say, you can follow us at the Premier Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube at the Premier Pod where you can find the video version of our podcast. But if you're listening to this on any podcast player of your choice, if you're on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot if you could leave us a rating and a review. But if not, if you could just share this with one of your friends, that's also really great. And we do appreciate any support that we get. And as we always say, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate the support. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to give us a listen. And that wraps up season three, episode 108 for us. Thank you guys. Peace. Peace. <laughs>